Just before we get into this podcast, just a quick note from Henry and I. We absolutely love hosting the Badminton Podcast, but whilst juggling full-time jobs and bearing the costs of the editing so that we can bring you higher quality episodes and regular episodes, we would love your support. And you can support us through our Patreon account where you can pledge just a little bit per month that's just going to help the Badminton Podcast keep running regularly and to keep serving your badminton needs. So, when you can, please log on to www.patreon.com slash the badminton podcast, no spaces, and pledge a small amount. It's just really going to help us to keep this podcast going. Thanks a lot. Brought to you from Melbourne, Australia, this is the Badminton Podcast, a community for badminton players by badminton players where we talk badminton, celebrate local heroes, interview players from all walks of life, and push you to grow as a player and a person. Introducing your hosts, Jeff and Henry. Welcome to the Badminton Podcast. I'm Jeff. And I'm Henry. And we're the co-founders of Volantware, and we're here because we love badminton. Thanks so much for joining us. We're so excited to be here with the next episode of our podcast. Today's guest needs no formal introduction. She's one of the most well-known badminton players on the international circuit, Gronja Somerville. I don't know if success is actually like an attainable thing. Oh, this is where we get deep. Okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. (laughs) I guess like growth is success. Maybe just being better than you were before at anything. Everyone's kind of passion and purpose would change throughout their lifetime as you know, you learn new things, you're exposed to new things you might not even know is a passion or purpose you could like finally get a revelation from and just be like, oh, actually, I just like love that so much. Born and raised in Melbourne, Australia, she's always been a proud Aussie. Growing up, she trained and competed in a range of sports with the dream of representing her country. She now balances training at the National Badminton Centre with a Bachelor of Exercise Science degree at Victoria University. Gronya is the descendant of the famous Chinese revolutionist Kang Youwei. Gronya or Kang Rongya, is that correct, Gronya? <laughs> Takes extreme pride in her half Chinese heritage and has been learning Mandarin for the last three years through an online school. Her current world ranking is number 32 in women's doubles and as high as 18th in 2017 and 64th in mixed doubles as well. And her sights are set on the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games. Welcome onto the podcast, Gronya. Thanks for having me here. It's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it's great to be here and I'm looking forward to answering all your tricky questions. <laughs> yeah, we've got some pretty hard questions lined up, but what I thought we'd do is we'd start off with some of the easier ones. And the whole idea behind today's episode is to kind of get to know Gronya, not just from a court level and a professional badminton level, but a bit more on a personal level. And hopefully she'll tell us a few things that she hasn't actually told other people before. Cool? Yeah, I'll spill all my secrets. <laughs> so easy questions to start with, Gronya, and I already know the answer to this question. But when did you start playing badminton and how did you actually get started? So I started when I was about um, 12, 13 years old and it was kind of by chance that I got into badminton because there was a national talent identification program. So they were looking for young girls who were around my age who were like sporty and athletic but didn't necessarily know badminton or had played it before. 
So um, my primary school teacher gave me a flyer that was like, come try out for this new program. You just need to be athletic. You don't need any experience, um, that kind of thing. And like, do you want to be the next Olympic badminton star? And so I went along to the tryouts and I got into the squad and they gradually cut down the girls from, I think, like 200 to 100 to 60. And then I think around 40 or so, they started training us up. And that's actually where I met you, Jeff, because you were one of the coaches in that program. And um, yeah, then since then, just fell in love with the sport and here I am. I do remember those times. I think how old are you? 12, yeah? Yeah. You're 12 years old. I was... This was 2007, so I was almost 20. And yeah, I was helping with the selection. I do remember the first time we saw you and we were doing fitness testing to start with. There was beep tests, there was running, there was agility. And we we're just making sure that the girls that we were looking at had really good athletic skills before we taught them badminton skills. And Gronya was one of the players that gave me a hard time as a coach. She was cheeky. <laughs> she was very cheeky and I had to yell at her a bit and make her do lots of push-ups and lots of stuff like that. I definitely remember that and yeah, it was quite fun, but look at her today. She's doing really, really well and it's probably because I was a bit hard on her. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I definitely had a little bit of attitude growing up. So having, yeah, some really good role models like you and coaches who kind of kept me in line and showed me, you know, what it takes to become a professional athlete. That's definitely how I got to where I am today. I'm kind of curious as what, what you meant by cheeky. So would you please be able to explain your cheekiness to me? Just a typical teenage girl and just not listening to things and I don't know, just a bit of attitude, just a bit of attitude about stuff. What's your take on it? Um, probably some smart-ass comments to things or, you know, just rolling my eyes at stuff or if I didn't give 100% or kind of did something stupid, then he'd be like, hey, do you like want to be here? Do you want to take this seriously? And I was like a little girl, I was like, oh! Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) And today at training, you told me that you thought I was one of the junior players and not actually one of the coaches. What's the story there? Well, because you have like such a baby face. Like we had some new players coming in every now and then who actually played badminton, some girls and like that, who kind of just came to have a hit with us, but they were so much better than us. They couldn't really train with us. So when you first came in, I thought you were one of them because you looked so young. (laughs) And then you started coaching us. I was like, what? (laughs) Oh, I won't respond to that. Um, so, Gronya, you've started when you were 12, 13 years old and you've played until now. You've played really at a really, really high level. You've trained really hard. What do you find keeps you in the sport? What do you love about the sport in itself? Um, to me, I just love how you, like, it's just forever you can improve. There's so many aspects to the game that it's like you can never perfect it. So there's always something you can work on no matter your ability, no matter your access to facilities, that kind of thing. Like there's just always so many different things to work on. So I think, you know, you don't get bored in that way. And yeah, it's really motivating to always be improving in whatever you kind of pick for the time. Sure. I completely agree with that stuff. And there's always room for improvement. And especially when you play with the world's best, you always come back to training with me as well. And you think you always have a list of things. I need to do this better, this better, this better. And I think that's where the the passion comes from because you're consistently improving and you're always trying to get better. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I had a game with Jeff the other day actually at one of um, Melbourne's new badminton centres in Mount Waverley and I was actually looking at the videos that we recorded afterwards and I was like, ah, I need to improve a lot of things here. And for you, I'd like to know, I mean, what parts of your game do you feel that needs improvement at this stage? Like what, what what is your focus at the moment? Well, recently we've had a lot of matches against some of the world's top 10. 
So each one is really good to, you know, figure out what we're doing right and what's working um, for us against them, but also seeing what they're doing that hurts us a lot and then trying to develop that into our own game. So, for example, one of the big things for us at the moment is fitness. Like we've played a lot of Japanese and they can just run forever and like the speed that they have, you know, taking shots early at the net. And then we just played the Koreans and they're really strong at driving and like hitting hard. So we want to be able to have that in our game. We know it's not something that we're going to do like all the time, like the Koreans probably kind of do it a bit too much sometimes, but we want to have the option that we can match them in that if we choose to play that game style. And then, yeah, just some like technical things like front court technique and ultimately being able to have more options from every shot. So we're not limited by our technique and that we can't play over if we want to and that we don't have to play soft because that's the only thing we can kind of do. And that's what we're working on together at the moment. Um, and Gronya, moving on from what you feel you need to improve, what impact do you think badminton has had on your life? So let's just say you weren't, when you were 12, 13 years old, you didn't pick up the racket. What do you feel you would have potentially missed out on or what do you feel that badminton has really brought into your life? Well, as a kid, I'd always had like gone from one sport to another or had multiple ones at the same time. And whichever sport was like, the priority at that time. I always wanted to be the best at it. So I was always like, I wanted to go to the Olympics in like hurdling or when I was into circus, I wanted to be in Cirque du Soleil. Like just, I always had an aspiration to be the best at whatever in that kind of thing. So, I mean, if I didn't have badminton, hopefully I would have ended up at some other sport. But outside of that, I don't know exactly if I'd take like what kind of career or generic career I might do. Probably something still in exercise, like how I'm studying exercise science. I'm quite interested in that. But yeah, um, in terms of what was the other part of the question? I actually completely forgot because all I heard was circus. <laughs> and I just want to... <laughs> 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 I and, like, tell me more about circus. And literally, I want to know what you did at the circus. Don't worry about that other question. Yeah, forget the other question. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do at the circus? So the primary school I went to, there were two um, kind of... I think they were to do with the band or something and they were involved with circus. So they they started an after-school circus program and I got kind of into that and I was already doing gymnastics. So I started learning like tumbling, um, you know, spinning plates, doing Diablo. And then one thing that I got really got into was flying trapeze. So I went to this big rig that was out of Box Hill back then and, you know, you'd climb up the ladder, stand on the thing and then swing out on the trapeze and then do a trick and then catch the other person and come back to the board. And when I was, I think I was nine years old, they said I was the youngest they'd seen that would that had swung out to the person, jumped back onto the like empty trapeze and then landed back on the board. So I was kind of proud of that. <laughs> so, hold up. So you were amazing at, at this gymnasium, what do you call it, Cir circus. But, <laughs> but what made you take on badminton instead? Or I mean, were you doing them both at the same time? Maybe it's because badminton's an Olympic sport. <laughs> well, um, I guess circus is not as, I mean, I wasn't really thinking about this at the time probably, but it's, you know, it's quite vulnerable in the opportunities I think that you can get. And, you know, it's one of those kind of artistic fields where it's, you know, hit or miss if you make it big or don't. Um, yeah, I think I, I didn't think I was amazing at it. And then this kind of opportunity for badminton just came up and it just kind of took off. So I, I kept doing all the other stuff as I started badminton. And then as it got more and more serious, I had to kind of cut down things just because I didn't have enough time and I started traveling, that kind of thing. That's awesome. I 
I'm not that sure, but I'm pretty confident that not many people know that you're in the circus. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy we uncovered that. And Henry would be probably crapping his pants if he was up that high because you're pretty scared of heights, aren't you? I do have a fear of heights, so I can't imagine myself even trying something like that. So at nine years old, well done. Fantastic. Good work. Um, so, Gronia, I want to talk about something a little bit more deeper now because when I was doing a bit of research for this episode last night, I looked up videos and interviews that you had been in the past and a lot of them talked about your aspirations as a badminton player. And, of course, we want to talk about that as well. Um, but we want to uncover a little bit more about you. And when I was actually looking up videos online, I actually stumbled upon a lot of videos created by Indonesian fans and their particular, a particular topic. I, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about this topic. Is It always involved Kevin Sanjaya and, and yourself. Um, and, and I believe from what I can tell is that he has a crush on you. Um, so I just wanted to know, I mean, do you have any comments about this? This is like a. This is, a bit better. this is like a like a TV interview. Do you have any comment about this situation? What's going on here? But oh, the floor is yours. So I don't really know it that well either because it's all in Indonesian. But um, basically, as far as I gather, he was on some talk show or something like that, and they asked who I think is the prettiest badminton player, and he said me. And then from there, it, it just kind of blew off, blew up, and everyone was like, "Oh, Kevin and Gronya kind of thing. And then we had an exhibition match in China and we were on the same team. So we were like, you know, there were photos of us standing together and we were like, yeah, sitting at the same table, that kind of thing. And I think, I don't know, Indonesians just love gossip. So it just <laughs> blew up a little bit. So every, if I post anything, they're like, oh, where's Kevin Sanjaya? Or they just tag him and everything. And then I started posting some photos with Jonathan Christie recently because he's sponsored by Lee Ning. So we see each other if we like have Lee Ning events or that kind of thing. And now now it's like, oh, you guys are like a, such a cute couple, that kind of thing. And I'm like, all right, calm down. We just took a photo together. I have a boyfriend, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I got like the first time I tagged Jonathan in one of my photos, I got like 10,000 new followers like straight away on Instagram. So <laughs> it's pretty crazy because they're so famous in Indonesia. Yeah, I saw those photos and I did see people reposting those photos as well on their Instagrams. <laughs> Just having a look at our questions. Um, so, Gronya, we said that we'd want to get a bit deeper. So, you've spoken to a lot of people about your past and how you got into badminton, etc. But we just want to see if we can hone into something deeper rather than just focusing on badminton. So, just the first question I want to ask is, what's the top three most important things in your life? That's super broad. Do you mean like... What's the first three that come to mind? Like actual? They don't have to be objects. They can just be the three most important things to you. First three things. So it's kind of like when, do you know that word association when you say something and you think something? If I just say three top things the most important you know, in your life right now. Okay, so it would be like friends and family, um, my health, and I don't know the last one. Probably just having fun. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a good answer? <laughs> Cool. Yeah, that's cool. What do you do for fun outside of badminton, Grania? Uh, it's I don't really know what I do. Like I'm I'm just training and then I'm resting. <laughs> um, I think that's what um is good about my boyfriend is like sometimes I'm very, you know, go 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 and like what's the next goal and always focused on something, whereas he's very chilled and spontaneous and doesn't plan stuff. So I think. I definitely have a lot more fun when I'm around him and more playful and that kind of thing. And 
I mean, badminton's also serious, but also another outlet for having fun and um, that kind of thing. But yeah, just being around my friends and yeah, doing silly stuff. How much of a social life do you get with all the training and traveling that you do? Well, this year I've tried to make it more of a priority. So even if I'm only back in town for a week, um, which has kind of been the case lately where I'll travel for two or three weeks and then I'm back for one or two weeks, um, I'll always try and have like a dinner and just invite most of my friends over. We usually have like hot pot or something (laughs) and then just have a games night and it's just a way to catch up with everyone um, at one time if I don't have enough time to, you know, meet like them individually kind of thing. Um, yeah, and then just keep in touch with them, message them every now and then. I mean, with social media, I'll always reply to like a story or something that we see. So, yeah. Cool. Moving on <laughs> to the next deep question. Hopefully we'll get deeper and deeper. If you were going to dream about your life, what would be your dream life? Like what would be the ideal and you'd be thinking, I'm living a dream or is that right now? My friend actually asked me this kind of recently, but it was like, what would be your dream day? And for me, I find it kind of hard to know what I'll actually want in the future because part of me feels like my life is kind of hectic now. Like I'm traveling everywhere. I'm trying to achieve all these things that I just love to just, you know, go to the country, live there and just like chill out and I don't know, you know, have passive income or something like that. But then another me, part of me is always super productive and always wants to kind of do more. So I don't know if I'd get to a point where I'd burn out or that's just kind of who I am and I'd want to keep doing that forever. So I can definitely see like a chill life, you know, kids and just, I don't know, a normal kind of job. But I'm also so in love with badminton that I also really love um, to potentially become like a national coach for a, a country, which would then kind of continue this lifestyle of traveling a lot and potentially, you know, move overseas with that, which is kind of still a hectic lifestyle so yeah I don't know and then I'd love to start a business of some sort as well and seems like you've got a lot going on and that that's awesome that's awesome that you've got so many things that you could consider as a dream because if you've, if you've only got one then if you don't make that then what else are you going to do so that's pretty cool I really I really respect that answer I guess for, for from an outsider perspective, looking looking at your life, and obviously, you know, I haven't spent that much time with you. Um, it it seemed that you were living a dream life, but then when actually having conversation with you now, it's like the things that you enjoy outside of badminton are actually very simple, um, which I find that quite interesting. But um, I want to move on now. And sorry, can I add something to that? Mm. Because I've known you for over ten years now. I think what Henry said is really true, as in I think just deep down you are just a simple person that just really loves things. I don't know. I know that sounds really simple, but there's, I don't think there's any, yeah, I, I don't think there's any kind of misconstrued reasons for wanting things. I think just purely and simply you're just genuinely a really nice person that just wants the best for everyone and yourself as well. So I just thought I'd add that. Yeah, great. I think. Yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> a bit heartwarming, I know. <laughs> do, you, do you have a response to that, Gronya? Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm yeah, just a normal person that, you know, wants to have a positive impact on the world and, you know, live a happy life and, yeah, just trying to find what makes me happy, what I'm passionate about and, yeah, make something of that. <laughs> I'm going to jump off script here and I stole your question. Sorry, Henry. That's okay. If you were given $1 million tomorrow, 
sponsors out there, this is an option. If you were given $1 million tomorrow and you had to spend it within a week, what would you spend it on? Uh, that's really hard. Um, First thing that comes to mind, what, $1 million, what am I going to do with it? Lately when I see all these celebrities who have, you know, so much money and have like ridiculous houses, outfits, whatever kind of thing, I feel like it's totally stupid to have kind of passed a certain amount of money and that, you know, you should just kind of cap it when you have a night, like a house that you're, you're happy living in and, you know, you can afford like school for your kids, that kind of thing. And then it, it should kind of just go back to the people that need it the most or the things that you deem the most important in the world. So whether that be, you know, climate change or people in poverty or supporting a program or like a disease that, you know, thinks needs more research, I feel like money should kind of go back to that. So for me, I'd probably pick some sort of charities to give to a percentage of that and then, I don't know, find something that maybe I could be more a part of and help develop with that money, like a badminton program or something like that. Cool. I like that answer as well because it's not just, hey, I'm going to go buy a Porsche and get a whole new wardrobe and all that kind of stuff. There's something deeper to it and it's what gives you more fulfillment rather than those kind of possessions. I think we can actually get even deeper. I'm sorry, Gronya, I mean, if you'd like, uh, yeah, I'd like to go even deeper here because you talked briefly about, you know, finding your passion and what potentially what your life's purpose is. I mean, is that something that you have clarity on or is that something that you're still looking for? I think everyone's kind of passion and purpose would change throughout their lifetime as, you know, you learn new things, you're exposed to new things, you know, what you might not even know is a passion or purpose you could like finally get a revelation from and just be like, oh, actually, I just like love that so much. So I think, yeah, it kind of depends where you're at. I mean, obviously right now mine is badminton. You know, if I started to get more into Chinese or more into business, it could go down that path or you know, more into charities, anything like that as well. Um, I think it's really dependent on, yeah, the kind of time and period in your life and everything around you that influences you in that respect, whether it be people or circumstances or that kind of thing. I think that's a really smart answer. How old are you now, Gronya? I'm 24. To me, the answer that she gave to that question was very mature that I think a lot of 24-year-olds or people in their 50s and 60s could probably wouldn't answer in that way, to be absolutely honest. And that to me is huge. So the part where you said about your passion not having to be something, one thing, and it's going to change throughout life, because I feel that people are looking for some passion that's just some golden dream that once they find it, they'll just have it forever and it'll just be bliss for the rest of their lives. But realistically, I think that it's more what you said is more accurate of what life is about and about changing your passion depending on what you're doing at that point in time. I think it's it's quite interesting because it was, it was our last podcast of the podcast before that that I was, I was listening back to and it was a very similar response to what this person next to me said when we were talking about finding life's purpose and, and passion in itself. And yeah, I think sometimes we find people who who feel that a passion should be fixed, whereas the flexibility that you describe with the passion and growing and learning new things and developing passions is what I feel that life is really about as well. So I think that was a very good answer. Thank you. Also, like being my age, a lot of my friends also 
kind of at this age don't also really know what they want to do or what their passion purpose kind of thing is. You know, they're studying something, they're not sure if they want to pursue it, that kind of thing. And I think there's also a point where if you kind of have no idea, you either need to just kind of work hard to pursue something that you think could take off or also just like finding something and like trying different things to figure it out as opposed to just being like, oh, I don't have a passion, I'm just going to laze about forever. Um, Yeah, there's definitely ways you can be more proactive in like finding it and I mean you can have multiple ones at once and that kind of thing as well. Love it. I think as far as pieces of advice is concerned and even for your friends as well is that not to be so hard on themselves as well and just, you know, it's okay to not know what your passion is and to hopefully, you know, develop it. over. It might, it might be years before you find out what your passion is but hopefully being open to exploring those potentials is important as well. Moving on, Grania. Next question for you. What are you most proud of in your life? So it doesn't have to be badminton. It can be badminton. It can be victories. It can be something as simple as you helped a lady across the street. What are you most proud of in your life as of today? I'm probably most proud that I've kind of got to the badminton level that I have. I feel like it's been very self-driven from me and people might not know that or know how badminton works in Australia, but I don't know. Like I've had, I don't know, maybe you're better at explaining it, but I've had to push really hard to get all the opportunities. Like, I, of course, I've been given some great opportunities starting with that program and, um, you know, had some support, like, come on board from Leaning, which has helped me a lot. But I've also worked hard to create those opportunities and always, yeah, kind of tried to be better. And I think that's kind of reflected in the level that I've got to as kind of one of the only Australian players to have started from uh, nothing through Australia as opposed to, like, import players from other countries, that kind of thing. And I feel like right now I'm proud of how I'm kind of balancing everything and trying to make everything work at the same time because there's a lot of stuff going on in my life and a lot of stuff to balance and things that I want to do, so, yeah. I think just to provide a bit of understanding for potentially audiences or our audience that might not be in Australia, I wanted to just talk briefly about badminton in Australia just so people... If they haven't listened to some of our previous podcasts, they can get a bit more of an understanding of what happens in our country. The challenge with Australia, and this is my understanding and my perspective, that is that is a very low participation of the sport one. The second thing is that the best players in Australia are scattered across Australia as well. It means that you guys don't get to train together all the time and have that match play and the higher level match play that would hopefully benefit you on an international circuit. And... I think the, the last thing is that you do have to support yourself financially and potentially maybe with some help from family and friends even. Um, but in Australia, because it's not as big of a sport as it is overseas in, say, China or Japan or Korea, Denmark, etc., we just don't have that the subsidisation or, or, the, or the funding and support that's required for us to actually develop our players internally and as you said, you know, you've, you've really built it yourself, you know, your experience, your skill, a lot of that is attributable to, to yourself and from within. Oh, certainly, I'm sure you've had help along the way, but a lot of it was was definitely you, right? Um, and, I, yeah, I just wanted to get, get that understanding across for all the audience as well. Yeah, I completely agree that in Australia it is very much self-driven. Like you don't do it for the money. I remember I was talking to some Malaysians when I was a junior and they, they were saying, I really don't like playing. And I said, why do you play then? Oh, just, it's just for the money. And I've never heard that in my life. 
So yeah, it's just something that we need to consider that it's just not the same all around the world. It's going to be the same in different countries, like in the other, say in the US and Canada and New Zealand and similar countries to Australia. It is the same. It's all or very much self-funded, very much self-motivated. And although the national federations are doing as much as they can, there's just not enough resources there to support the players in the way that the, the bigger countries can do it. Let's move on. Gronya, how do you define success? So a lot of people would define success by certain things, getting a really good career, job, money, possessions, family, friends. How do you define success? How would you know, hey, I'm successful, I feel successful? That's really tough. Um, I don't know if success is actually like an attainable thing. Oh, this is where we get deep. Okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. (laughs) I don't know because it's always, it's always, you know, like dependent to the person, like how everybody each defines it, right? Like how people think a certain type of beautiful is different to everyone, that kind of thing. I guess to me, it's more just improvement is success. Like, I guess that's more in a badminton term. But I mean, I guess like growth is success. Like if you're growing in some way, then you're doing, like you're succeeding, but maybe just being better than you were before at anything. I like it. I don't know if you've heard a similar phrase, progress is happiness. I think Jeff had maybe mentioned it on a previous podcast that sometimes like success and happiness is kind of synonymous, like, because it really, when, when you get down to it and define success for an individual person, it's like when they reach that success or when they feel like they're successful, they're also happy at the same time. I, I don't know if that, yeah, if, if you feel that way as well, but that, that's just how I see it from, from what you're saying. I have a bit of an opinion about success and happiness and I think they're a little bit different because mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people, there's a book about it. It's called, oh, I can't remember, I'll, I'll write it in the description later, but it's basically saying a lot of people will say success comes first and then happiness, but then they have scientific studies about how if you put happiness first, then success is the thing that comes after happiness. It's not the other way around because we can't, some things are out of our control. And like you said, success is defined by different people in different ways. So your version of success is awesome because you can get up tomorrow and do one little tiny thing better than you did yet today and you're successful. Or someone else that might wake up and say, I didn't make a million dollars today, I'm not successful. And then their happiness is gonna ride on that, whether they've been successful or not in their definition. So one thing that I've learned from the book that I was talking about is how important happiness is before success. Because if you're happy, your chances of success are gonna be much, much greater because you're gonna do things in such a different way than if you think you're not successful and then you're trying to attain happiness by achieving something. Anything to comment on that? Well, I guess kind of when you put it that way, when I thought of like, oh, you know, you just do a tiny thing to improve and it's successful, then I feel like you can also get super lazy with that thought process and be like, oh, yeah, like I'm content with just these t- like really small things and not aspire for more where those pe- there's also those people, you know, where they're not satisfied with anything and it makes them so much more motivated to achieve better. So I think there's definitely two kind of ways to look at it because when I was thinking, I was like, oh, you know, if you're aiming for a gold medal and you get a bronze and, you know, some people will be super 
sad about that or else like you can become content with that and then you can from there you're like, oh, you know, I was successful, I did well, this kind of thing. So I don't know, it's kind of two ways that it could go in that kind of thinking. Yeah, yeah I agree. I think that the important part here is that you, you recognise what you've done well but that still doesn't stunt your growth and your commitment to move forwards from there. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd like to jump in for a moment because I, I guess I, I agree and I, 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 I'm sort of trying to understand both both perspectives here and what I take from it, I guess my opinion on that would be happiness is the goal, as, as you said earlier, happiness before success. And for some people, success doesn't necessarily mean the big aspirations that you or, you or myself might have, whether it be in badminton business or, or professional career. Some people actually might be happy, you know, going to a, a low paying job, but going home to their family and kids and really enjoying their life. And the, the success actually is is that happiness itself. And, and the happiness is actually the goal. And, and as you said, the happiness comes first. So, you know, whether or not you need the, the, the success is defined by, you know, someone else, obviously not. You Like your success could be as simple as low paying job with a lovely family, lovely children at home. So as you said, yeah, happiness, happiness should be the goal here. Yeah, I think so. And then I think it's what you're content with that dictates that happiness. So it's like, yeah, from there, it's like how you measure success measures how content you are with that level of success and your happiness, kind of, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> this is cool. It's a bit of a vicious cycle. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is cool though. This is, this is a lot deeper than, what are you up to? What, what, what up to, Gronya Somerville? What are you up to? Okay, um, a couple more of the deeper questions and then we'll kind of start wrapping up here. Who are the people that inspire you the most or have done throughout your life? Mm, I think from when I was younger, like when I was very small and had all these different sports going on, it was a lot of the big sports stars that I just, you know, I wouldn't really know much about them, but I'd see them do something, like win something that I'd be like, oh, that's really cool. Like I want to do that. Um, and now I guess it's kind of come back to that, but obviously now not kind of explicitly sports stars. I mean, a lot of the ones that I do look up to kind of are successful in their sport, but also in their life in general, um, businesses, um, supporting good causes, that kind of thing as well. So, I mean, I like like Roger Federer, Serena Williams, some of the like smaller Aussie stars that are starting to, you know, do sort of cool things like Mac Horton who kind of stood up and made a stand against the um, China drug, what's it called? Drug cheat, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> using prohibited substances. Um, I don't know. And then, yeah, just all the kind of powerful women who are starting to rise up now and get getting known for um, different things as well. And then, like, more directly, my personal role models have been a lot of my coaches who I've had throughout the years. Um, and, and then, of course, like, my mum. My dad died when I was younger, so I've just been raised by my mum and she's taught me, you know, a lot about resilience, about... Um, kind of she's very kind of free-spirited and not caring so much what people think and just doing what makes you happy and what you enjoy um, and also like making sure you have fun and being silly and that kind of stuff as well. Shout out to Maggie. <laughs> yeah, classic Maggie. At your 21st birthday, what's your 21st? She sang your song and I was there. 
She's, she, she's a bit of a musician and she sung Gronya a song for her 21st. She wrote a song for her 21st birthday and it was really sweet and there were some funny parts as well. It was really cool. I really liked it. Yep. Good on you, Gronya. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Good on you, Gronya. What's the song's name? Yep. Uh, it, was the, it was the chorus, I think. Chorus and song name. So she got the crowd to sing on, uh, join in that was like, Gronya, good on you, or something. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was singing. I was like, oh, my God. Do you know the words? Uh, I'll have the words, the script somewhere, but I, I don't know it. I thought you could sing on the podcast as well. That would be nice. It's a special request. but So it seems like there have been many people that have inspired you throughout your life and, and it seems like you constantly do get inspired by various people that you meet along the way as well. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, there's like everybody has something to learn and offer you. I mean, even just somebody you meet in the street or you know, just a nice teacher you have, just anything can kind of show you so many different nice qualities and things that you can aspire to. Like even, oh, with my mum, one of the things that she's taught me as well is like generosity because um, she's a teacher and she kind of works with um, some like children with disabilities and that kind of thing and um, super generous with her time if people like ask her to help with things. Like she's, she's, it's hard for her to say no to things, which sometimes I'm like, Mom, you need to like, you know, take care of yourself, um, uh, do the things that you want to do. And then she's like, no, like, I just want to help. And that's something that, you know, I try to learn from as well. Yeah. And that's, I think, that's where the simplicity of Gronya Somerville is and the character that's underneath all of the, the badminton player part of it. Yeah. Okay, Gronya, this has been pretty easy for you, I think. Hopefully this is a bit of a scary question. Because we're going to talk about your fears. So I hope you're excited. But what do you feel are your biggest fears? So you can talk about heights. Or, it's not heights because you're a trapeze. I didn't know that. <laughs> but it's not heights, but it's spiders, all that kind of stuff. We can just name those and get those out of the way. But we want to go a little bit deeper. What is it something that you truly fear? And what makes you feel really uneasy? One of my kind of biggest things or the things that I hate the most is regrets. Like I hate, like when I was younger, if, I don't know, there was a performance or something, a chance to do something and I'd kind of shy away from it. Later on, I would always like kick myself, and be like, oh, why didn't I just try it? Or why didn't I give it a go? And, you know, that kind of comes back around to badminton. You know, if I make an error at like 20 all or that kind of thing, I'm like, afterwards, I'm like, oh, why didn't I do that? And these kind of regret, regrets about how I've chosen to do something. And then, of course, you know, bigger things in life as well, like, as well with that. I guess there's some sort of fear of people not liking me in a way or public embarrassment now as I'm getting more well-known. Uh, people will start to say more about me, I guess, and make assumptions of me and that kind of thing. So I think I maybe I haven't been exposed to it enough to kind of get a super thick skin about it, but that's something that I think I'm scared of. Like if sometimes if I post something a little bit on the edge, I'm like a bit scared about what people say or what people might think or how they'll interpret it. So, yeah. Completely understand. And I hope that everyone watching and listening to this, they get a better, better understanding of who you actually are. So not just on, at the tournaments, not just on social media, but actually, hey, who is Gronya? Who's the woman behind Gronya Somerville? And if they have those thoughts and they think they start to judge, at least they know there's a really solid character base behind there and it's not 
it's not superficial, it's not for fame, it's none of that. It, there's a deeper need and a deeper want. I can imagine it'd be a significant challenge to be just bombarded by messages on a daily basis because I'm sure, I'm sure you already do get bombarded by tons of messages and to have to sift through all of them, positive or negative, I can, I can see that that would really, that could really affect you. And yeah, I, I would say, you know, try not to be so hard on yourself when you do read those comments and, and try and focus on the good ones there because I'm sure there are plenty of good ones there for you out there as well. And just a little bit of a stick up from me for people who do judge. I know that there might be some people who are judging in terms of what she's, what Grunya's achieved, what she's doing, the opportunities that she's actually had. And I feel that people need to put themselves in Grunya's shoes. So coming from Australia and playing badminton in Australia, we need to take everything that we can get, honestly. There's not, there's no handouts. And if there is an opportunity, then we're gonna grab it with both hands, no matter who you are. So if there's anyone saying, oh, look, this Gronya's only doing this because of this, etc." I just wanna uh, get you to ask yourself, if you were in the same situation as Gronya or myself when I was trying to play, what would you do? What would you actually do? Would you take advantage of it? You absolutely would. And if you, don't, if you say that you won't, I'm either gonna assume that you're lying and it's a big call for me, but that's okay. I'm either gonna assume you're lying or I'm just gonna assume that you didn't want to get that far in the sport or you didn't want to be as good as you possibly could be because we need to take all the opportunities that we can get. And in my opinion, Gronya's done that. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know this is specifically what you mean, but. <laughs> okay. I think it touches on what the topic that we were just talking about, you know, becoming successful and having a lot of you know people commenting uh, on your success and and it really ties back to how you feel about your I guess your fame and recognition after becoming one of the most successful Australian badminton players and one of the most recognized female badminton or badminton players around the world I mean what what does that mean to you I mean to be honest I'm not really that famous at all and I don't have to deal with anything close to, you know, what all these, you know, YouTube stars or Lindan or whoever else is way bigger than me out there. So I think I'm on a very, like a lot smaller scale than that. But um, I guess to me, it's kind of gives me more of a opportunity to kind of be a role model and to um, help badminton grow within Australia and the world and make something of my achievements kind of a bigger on a bigger scale like if I contribute to badminton participation growing within the world and that kind of thing and especially within Australia and getting more people involved then um, I'd be pretty with happy with that and try and yeah make some kind of longer lasting things than just what my achievements are while I was playing that kind of thing. Yeah, it's great to see that there's a higher purpose or a bigger picture to the success that you've gained so far. So, yeah, I really like that. So, Grunya, just coming to a bit of a close here and just wrapping up, you've come such a long way from the little 12-year-old kid running around being a little nuisance for me as a coach, um, all the way up to juniors in Commonwealth Games, now on the, on the road to the Olympic Games. You've been as high as 18th in the world in women's doubles and we're hopefully getting back up to that, that ranking and even higher. So what's next for you? 
Um, so the big goal is, yeah, to get within the top 20 by the end of this year. We've so far, Touchwood, had an injury for a year, whereas the previous two years, um, my partner and, and me a bit have been um, affected by injury. So we haven't actually been able to participate in a full year of tournaments. Uh, and then, of course, the Tokyo Olympics is coming up. So we'd like to qualify um, for that outright by yeah, being top 20, which we'll need to be to do that. Um, and then hopefully by the time that comes around next July, be within like the quarterfinal level, which would be top eight. So that would be a great achievement for us if we can get there. And then after that, yeah, I guess just continue to try keep enjoying badminton and see what we can kind of, how, how far we can get. And then, yeah, keep trying to continue with all these other things that I'm trying to do, whether it be like business or Chinese or study and that kind of stuff. So for our audience out there, that's what Gronya Somerville plans to do in her badminton over the next couple of years. And hopefully if through this podcast, you have gained a bit more insight into the woman behind Gronya Somerville and gotten to know a lot more about her on a personal level. So Gronya, I want to finish up now by asking you, what are the top three things that you want the world to know about you that they may not already know? So these are all the little dark secrets that no one knows and they're just, they could be a bit weird. So brace yourself. Okay, so three, I guess, interesting things that come to my head would be the first one that when I sleep, I like to sleep on like a really flat pillow and I sleep a lot better if I'm hugging something. So hotels that have those kind of smaller hug pillows are like my favourite ones. Or when I'm at home, I have a kind of big teddy bear and also another like fluffy cushion that I'll, I'll hug. And I just like sleep so much better and make my shoulders feel so much more comfortable. And then another thing... Sorry, Gonya, has that been something you just grew up with for your whole life? You've always hugged something since you were a kid? Um, I wouldn't say so. Probably since I was like a teenager, I've done it more so. I feel like as my shoulder's gotten worse from badminton, it helps when I'm sleeping so it doesn't kind of collapse in. And then another thing would be that I really hate horror movies, like they stress me out. So my boyfriend's over and he just tried to get me to watch Haunting of the Hills or Hill House or something like that. And it's just like so stressful, like the music when it's going do 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 and then I had nightmares about it because we watched it just before bed and I was like stressing my dreams. Um, so I pretty much only like feel-good comedies that are <laughs> like rom-coms or comedies or documentaries that are educa educational. I don't want to watch anything that like bums me out really. <laughs> and then the last thing might be that I eat like a mainly vegan, whole food kind of plant-based diet. Not Not strictly because it's sometimes very hard when I'm traveling and um, stuff like that. But yeah, that's what I try to do most of the time. Three interesting things about Gonya Somerville that you might not have known. There you have it, guys. So for everyone that's listening and watching, thanks so much for tuning in. We've been really privileged to have Gonya Somerville on here. So thanks so much for being on. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure and really fun to talk about all this deep stuff. <laughs> Hopefully it's been a bit different to all the other interviews that you've had. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, being that I know Jeff so well um, and, yeah, going so much into depth into badminton and, like, who I am, it's, yeah, been really enjoyable. So thank you. What I enjoyed most about this episode and getting to know Gronya is 
there's so much depth behind her. There's not just the badminton. There's just not that it's not what people would, might actually think. And I think it's just really nice to know that Gronya is just a simple girl who loves her family, loves doing things that she loves and having fun and being a kid. I'm going to add one more thing as well. So other than that, I think that I've spoken to you quite deeply about some things before, but probably not specifically about some of these particular things. And I think some of the answers that you gave, I'm not sure whether you just wrote learn them because they're the right answer in my book, but I think my respect for your answers is very, very high in terms of the maturity of how you're thinking about life, success, happiness, passion and goals and everything like that. So that was really cool. What I'd like to focus on was a specific answer that we that you gave during the podcast and that was about how various different people in life can provide a unique perspective or can teach you something. Um, as you said, you've been inspired by many different people throughout your life and it may just be, you know, some random, some teacher, whoever it might be. And that's it, it ties into our podcast and I guess I want to talk about our podcast for a moment because we talk, we bring badminton players on that are professional or social badminton players from all walks of life because we feel that the community itself, everyone in the community has something to provide and that's why we bring them onto this podcast. And, yeah, thank you for that. Thanks. No, it's great that you guys are um, reaching the whole community, not just, you know, high-profile badminton players um, and, yeah, getting people involved that are have different things to offer from their careers or their different life experiences, so it's really cool. So thanks so much for tuning into the Badminton Podcast. We're going to continue to invite special guests like Gronya Somerville onto the episodes and the shows just so that we can keep pushing you to grow both as a player and a person. Make sure you keep an eye on Gronya's journey towards the 2020 uh, Tokyo Olympic Games. You can keep updated with her progress on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. And the handle is just Gronya Somerville, one word. And make sure that you keep sharing your love of the sport with everyone and show the world how incredible badminton is because it really is. And yeah, I have nothing more to add there, but it really is. <laughs> how incredible is badminton, Gronya? It's amazing. <laughs> Woo! And lastly, for anyone who wants to get into contact with us, whether you have any questions or whether you would like to be on the guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you on. Please contact us via Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube, or on our website. Our social media handle is Volantware, V-O-L-A-N-T-W-E-A-R. And our website is www.volantware.com. Bye. Bye. Zaijian. This podcast was brought to you by Volantware, the most versatile badminton apparel you'll ever own.